so, JB, while I'm having dinner, maybe a glass of wine, you'll be working with our next guest, Anthony Stewart. What do you got on tap tonight uh, at Sportsnet? Uh, a couple of hockey matches. The Calgary Flames are Are you in okay action. right now? Yeah, well, I just crushed a power bar here. I didn't think you were going right to me, all right? How about a couple of chews before we start? <laughs> Give me a moment. Uh, yes, hockey games. Stewart Actually, I knew you were fun. racing, and that's why I went to Threw you. Threw me under the quick. bus. <laughs> oh, total chuck. I was digging the puck out of my feet here. Thanks for that dish. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm back. So, Stewie, what's uh, what's it like uh, looking forward to working with Justin Bourne the next two nights? Will you throw him under the bus like I just did? We got Stewie. We have sound. Oh, sorry. Was that a question for me? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, I didn't know Justin was on. I thought he was uh, purely a radio guy, too, but I actually uh, should have been tipped off. I saw him with a couple new uh, crispy suits uh, in the dressing room there, too. So I'll be looking forward to it. He's always great, and uh, the studio is nice and cold, so he won't be uh, sweating through his suit. <laughs> you you got to take him under your wing. I got you got to see. I, I got to see that veteran rookie kind of chemistry. Yeah, when in doubt, just yell pucks and deeps. You know that, Justin. We, we've learned that uh, throughout our couple of years together. <laughs> stick, stick to the old Ken Reed mantra. I like it, buddy. Yeah, um, yeah. I assume you've been paying close attention to these uh, dear Toronto Maple Leafs so far. We've been kicking it around a little bit on the, uh, on the show here, going to 8-5 and five on the season. What are your thoughts on where they're at versus your expectations going to the into the season? I think most of us thought they were going to be good. Are they about where you thought they would be? Yeah, I think they're they're doing fine, right? So I think the one question mark, and I think one of the biggest question marks for the season was going to be the goaltending, right? And I think Jack Campbell sort of answered a lot of those questions. Say what you will. Um, he's answered a lot of those questions with about durability, and he is a bona fide number one uh, goaltender in the National Hockey League. And it's just not about the big, big save. It's just the timing of the save. He just has that poise and making the save at the right time, too. So, uh, you know, it, it's just sort of weird. Every Every day the wind blows a different way. Uh, before, you know, it's, uh, you know, the big four aren't scoring. Now it's the depth uh, guys aren't scoring. So there's ups and downs in the 82-game season. And, and Kipper and Borne, I'm sure you understand, you don't really focus on the day-to-day. You usually do it in segments. So I think this segment's been fairly good for the Leafs. They have some work to do just like any given team. But right now they're sitting second in the division. And I think that's exactly where I'd have them pegged right now. Did you see enough from last night's game to suggest that uh, they're up for a challenge on, on one of the better teams? team starts uh, in Calgary? Yes, and, and uh, one of the question marks I sort of saw, I was looking at the L.A. game the other night and just a couple of stick checks on the one goal and Trevor Moore sort of going end-to-end and not really getting touched. And you know He's not the biggest guy, not the fleetest of foot, and he's sort of skating through a group of guys. But you got Calgary who sort of comes in waves and they got some big fours and they got some talent and they can make some high-end plays as well too. But when the going gets tough with the Flames, you know, they resort to, uh, you know, dump and chase hockey, which is uh, Daryl Sutter hockey. So I think that's going to be a good measuring stick, a good litmus test to see exactly where they're at. But, uh, again, it's, it's tough to sort of really assess and say, oh, you know what, this is the, exactly where the team is at. They do have some injury problems. They have some guys coming back. So I think right now for the Leafs, it's a lot more positive than negative. One of my favorite things that you've been going through with Leafs Nation over the years has been, um, you know, making the odd comment about William Nylander and then dealing with the Nylanderthals, as you have them dubbed. <laughs> How are the Nylanderthals uh, treating you this year in, with Willie's success so far? They're, te- they're treating me great, and it's funny. Every time he scores, Jeff Merrick just sends me a, a text that says Nylanderthals. <laughs> That's all you get. I think the Nylanderthals are rejoicing just because 
uh, he's he's exceeding expectations. And we all know he has the talent. We all know he has the skill. He can make high-end plays. But it's just his compete level and his urgency seems to be taking another level this year where you can actually say, you know, I could say see him being one of the leaders of this group. Again, he's scoring timely goals. Uh, he's not just cruising around in the corners. He's actually using his size and, and, and getting some physicality going as well, too. So I'm very uh, impressed where Nylander's game is. But that happens, uh, you know, as, as, as players progress in, in, in their careers. Every year they, they work on their sort of deficiencies and they get better. And it's good to see that he's getting in the mix more, and it's now leading to more opportunities, more goals, and uh, more points as well. I'll get your thoughts, and, and then JB's, but uh, the kicked-in goal, were you – ultimately going this could go either way or were you convinced well i was worried waiting to see if the net flew off first before it went in the net to see if they were going to call that back but there was no kicking motion and i don't think his blade left the ice it went off the top of his boot and i think as as that puck went in the ref waved it off i was like no there's no way that uh, they're not going to uh, uh change the call on that too so i think that was a good hockey goal and uh i'm a proponent of uh you know let's use our heads let's use our elbows uh, anything but your hand, it should be called a good goal for sure. Yeah, w- Willie, I knew it was one of two ways. It was either an obvious, definite yes or the other way. Because Willie is just like, a, there's not, not much conversation going to be had here. Uh, I thought it was a good goal right away. They're letting everything go at this point. Um, Stewie, wanted to get your take on, you know, you, you had had some experiences during your career at, at trying to come out of the press box and, you know, put your best foot forward as Justin Hall did last night for the Leafs. You know, what, what did you find were some of the challenges, you know, after sitting out a little while, then popping back in and trying to be the best version of yourself? Like what Hall would have been going through last night? Yeah, it, it's tough. And I think the one year I shot 30 games, I think 25 of those were in a row. And you sort of get the communication the first couple of weeks. But when you're sitting for three months, you know, it, it become a very lonely place. And again, I'm not just shy to admit it. You know, sometimes I'd be crying in the steam room. I'd go in the steam room and cry for about two, three minutes just to sort of get uh, get that out of my system to have positive energy. And that's the one thing, to be able to be scratched as long as Hall does and, and still be a part of this organization just shows what type of professional is. Because there's guys that after five games, six games, they're crying to their agents, they're trying to get them out of town. So that just shows the true professional that he is. So he's a guy that I'm sure, you know, focuses on those details. He wants to do whatever it takes to get back into the lineup. And, again, he's going to struggle a bit. But, again, I think they're going to give him an opportunity because, again, he's played some good hockey uh, last year as well, too, and there's ups and downs. But it's definitely tough being a healthy scratch for that many games. And I tell everybody it's harder not playing in the NHL than it is because you've got to come to the rink, you've got to have a smile on your face, you've got to skate with the boys, you've got to bag skate after practice, you've got to come back to the rink, take your suit off, work out again and watch, and then have a positive attitude and maybe – pray or, or hope for that the team doesn't win so you can get back in the lineup. Mm. So it definitely tests guys' uh, professionalism. And that's the one thing you can say about Justin Hall. He is a professional because to be able to do that the last couple of years and, and handle it and still be a part of the organization shows that he is a true professional. I wasn't much of a crier. I was just focused on making not making my coach cry. Yeah, well, we had that. I'll tell this story. <laughs> the quickest story was uh, – was uh, my brother knew when he was getting healthy scratched in Minnesota is because uh, Bruce Boudreaux was the coach and the door would be uh, closed. So if he knew the door was closed, that's because he, he always had an open door policy, but it was closed. My brother knew he was being scratched because he knew that he couldn't go in the office to sort of confront him about it. So he was literally Bruce didn't want to see Chris Stewart was... coming in, eh? <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. That selective door uh, uh, open policy, <laughs> eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, uh, we're kind of taking a look around the league here, and uh, I, I know um, 
you made some predictions earlier in the season. You liked the, a little Uh-oh. bit of the Canadian. No, no, no. But, like, we're looking at Ottawa, and they're in a tough situation with COVID. I think we counted about eight. Uh, you look at the Montreal Canadiens, and Carey Price not there. Um, you know, what have, what have you made out uh, outside of uh, Toronto, what you see around the National Hockey League? And then a lot of love, of course, in, in Alberta. Yeah, well, I'm going to own it. And, uh, again, I did I did have Ottawa and Montreal uh, making the playoffs. And it's easy to say, ah, well, you know what, the COVID situation and with Montreal, Carey Price and, and Weber not playing. But I actually doubled down, and they actually gave me an out, and I didn't take it. But, again, <laughs> with those predictions, sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. But uh, the one team I didn't really have in the playoffs was, was uh, the, the Vancouver Canucks. And just, just some inconsistencies, right? They, they win a game, they lose a game. Uh, they have a game in the books and they end up losing. So again, they just, they just don't have that consistency. I think it's a younger team and I don't know if Pedersen and Hughes are really ready to put the team on their back. Again, it's just something that the Leafs were going through a couple of years ago with a young core. You need those veteran guys to sort of, um, you know, carry the load here. But again, Edmonton, we knew they were going to be great, but I think the real surprise is, is the Flames. And I don't think anyone had the Flames uh, sitting in second in the Pacific Division after 12 games because they just have that buy-in. And just seeing every single night they're buying in and their stars are stepping up. They have the depth. And I think one of the great uh, true good stories of the, the year this year is Oliver Shillington stepping up after getting scratched, I think, 40 games last year. You know, leads the, I think, the team in assists or something like that. He had a five-game point streak. So all things are clicking in Calgary. And I'm trying to think who else I would have forgot. Uh, we always forget about uh, one team there, too. But I'm sure I'll get back to it later. But uh, six teams making it, I don't know. I'm, I'll, 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 I'll double down a little bit, and I'll say five. Five out of the seven will make it. There you go. I'll take that. So looking at those Alberta teams, is there any players? You mentioned Shillington as a guy who uh, stood out to you. He's been good. Anyone else on Calgary or Edmonton that you, you've got your eye on tonight going into a couple of uh, good matchups? Uh, Jesse Pugliarvi. And, again, I haven't seen the stats yet, too, but you think that he'd just be a cookie monster, you know, putting up points with uh, McDavid and, and, and Dreisaitl. But, again, he's creating some of his own offense. He had a breakaway goal the other night, too, and his energy's uh, flowing pretty hard. He's got his own mantra now. He's got to buy guys wearing bison heads in, uh, in the stands there, too. So I like his aura, his energy. And it's great to see him bounce back from a couple of years ago being in the minors and going back to Finland. And he's starting to now really, uh, you know, turn into the player that was drafted, you know, high in the, in that draft. So it's good to see Pugliarvi have some success. I'm a big fan of Manji Apani because, you know, I've skated with him a couple of times on the ice in the summer times. And you just see this guy, he's not the biggest, not the fastest, not the strongest, just going out there and dominating a lot of those games, just being a heartful type player. So I like seeing those guys in the West and it's, it's, it's good in hockey. It's very entertaining. You got to wonder in Calgary as as well, though the whole Daryl Sutter, and uh, you know something that doesn't get talked a lot about is Kirk Muller too. Uh, Kirk's yep. had tremendous success in Montreal, and uh, maybe could have ended up a head coach there if probably if he if he spoke French. Truly, but. <laughs> Um, there's a guy that's had... I don't think you know Kirk's, you know Kirk's not speaking French. You know that. <laughs> well, I, I, I got to think they've had a major influence there. And uh, is it just uh, the attention to detail? Because they are playing uh, great hockey in all, all three zones and g- getting great goaltending. Can, can, it, can it hang on here? Can they be a top team now uh, the rest of the season? I think so, because they have the buy-in, and it was a big, big risk that Trey Living did by bringing in Sutter. People were scratching their heads, but I think 
he identified that for this specific group, they need this type of player. And, yeah, there's going to be some pushback. And you saw it last year with some guys struggling, Monaghan and, and Goudreau. But, you know, they have that buy-in now. And you've seen Monaghan, hey, if you're not going, well, you know what, we'll give you your power play time. But you know what, until you figure out your game, you're going to be on the fourth line. Say what you want about Sutter. He's not afraid to do things his way. He's not worried about your contract status. He's worried about what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. And I've seen some, uh, you know, highlights of them in practice. You know, they're skating hard uh, in between days where it's supposed to be an easy. He's not afraid to do it his way. And I think when you get those results, you know, some guys will be, you know, complaining here and there, but when you get the results, you get that buy-in. So I think they're getting that buy-in, and that risk is paying off in, in bringing in Sutter because he has this group playing great hockey, and it's translating, it's translating into wins. Hey, Stewie, we'll, we'll probably toggle back to hockey. I just wanted to get, um, well, this is hockey, but I wanted to talk about you personally and off the ice and all the things that you're involved in right now. Just wanted to get that in to, to be sure while we have you on the line. What, what do you have going on the ice right now? I know you have hockey quali- hockey quality. Uh, I think there's some involvement, at least with your brother, the Hockey Diversity Alliance. You're coaching a minor hockey team. What, what sort of programs are you working on away from the Sportsnet right now? I'm doing it all. Yeah, yeah, so I, I started know. a foundation, uh, hockey quality, and we're just trying to make hockey more accessible, more affordable. And uh, this year we had, uh, we're had we having a bunch of different summits where we're having leaders of the di- different communities coming out and speaking to the kids. And sports, that's been great. Uh, we had Ron McLean come out. Uh, we've had uh, you know Elliot Freeman and David Amber come and show their support towards the kids. And uh, we did one for the uh, minority players. Uh, we did one for the South Asian players. Uh, we're doing one. Uh, for the Indigenous players as well, too. So we're just doing different groups to show, hey, you know what, there are different uh, leaders in the community that aren't just hockey. You know, they're sports writers, they're lawyers, they're doctors to say, hey, you know what, hockey is the vehicle to, you know, success, but you don't have to. This is not about making the NHL. It's about just being successful, being uh, leaders in your community. I'm coaching a minor midget team this year, and I'm sure if the scouts are listening, I hope they are. You know, there's a couple first-rounders there, so you better be coming out and watching. And I told you that now. And, uh, again, my brother's part of the HDA as well, too. So I'm doing what I can to give back uh, to the game of hockey because it's changed my life for the better. Uh, it's, it's, it's afforded me the opportunity to take care of my family. My brother's uh, self-sufficient. We've had, so it's been great. So anything that we can do to give back to the game that we love and cherish uh, we're, we're going above and beyond to do it. So, but uh, thanks for asking for that, uh, GB. So, Stewie, just a, a quick follow-up. If you had to pick one or two things that could uh, help make it uh, affordable, what is it? Is it just uh, corporate support, number one? Yeah, well, again, I just went and bought a stick, $444. So do ah. the math on that. And uh, that's why usually uh, my dad would say, you know what, branches, you're going to use a tree branch, not the branches stick, tree <laughs> branch. And I remember breaking my stick over the crossbar one time, split down the middle, and my dad taped it up with box tape. But uh, it, it's a conversation, a longer conversation. But right now in the city of Toronto, ice is $450 an hour. So how are you supposed to run a hockey school and make hockey more affordable when the ice is that expensive? So I think there's ways to make uh, the ice a, a lot cheaper. Uh, registration is, is sometimes ten to twelve thousand dollars per team. So it's 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 we're, we're talking about systemic issues. That's an issue that can be fixed, I think, with the government support, but with corporate support. But again, I'm going above and beyond uh, with hockey quality. I think we sponsored, I think, ten kids this year for their equipment for the registration. And this is at the rep level, the AAA rep level. So as much as you want to do the grassroots, you want to see these six can succeed, get to the next level. And I think that's how you make the change. And that's how I make my change. 
All right, well, that's awesome stuff, Stewie. We appreciate that. I, I just wanted to, to touch on every Canadian team before we left. I think we missed the Winnipeg Jets. Do we miss the Jets? Was that the team, the the, the one that we hadn't talked about? Yeah. Where do you we see? We always them? forget about the Jets. I know the poor Jets and <laughs> lovely Manitoba. What what are your thoughts on this Jets team this season and and their chances? Elliot picked them preseason. I think is the best team in Canada uh, to sort of mixed reviews with that pick too. Yeah, I'm, and I'll, I'll start off by saying I know uh, Wheeler hasn't, uh, he's missed a bunch of games too, but I think it, and he's struggling a little bit, zero goals in seven games, but I don't know how he's not on the Olympic roster. I saw yours, uh, uh, Kipper. I don't think you had him on the U.S. Olympic team. I think he's a shoe-in. Uh, but I think right now, um, you know, are they going to rely too heavily on, on Connor Hellebuck? because he's going to run out of gas? So I know they're managing his minutes this, uh, this year. In uh, and, and Comrie playing four out of the uh, 12 games, too. So I'm just worried about, you know, Hellebuck. Can he play at a high level for the whole entire season? And if he's not, can Comrie come in and do the job? They know they have the offense. You know, Connor can put the puck in the net. Dubois is playing good hockey. They added some depth on D with Schmidt, and uh, they got Morrissey and, and some other guys coming in as well, too. So I think for them, it's going to be the goaltending and the longevity and the durability of Hellebuck. I think they're going to go as far as Hellebuck takes them, and I think that question is, is sort of still out there. Yeah, I know you're right. They added Dylan, too, and uh, yeah. I just I, I look at that team, and they lost so much when Bufflin shut it down, a uh, presence, we all know what he's meant to that organization, and it, it hasn't been the same back there. Yeah, and, and, and people don't really understand how dominant Bufflin was. Sorry, Kipper. Like, oh, my God. To take over a game at any given moment in the first period, second, it took him a while to get him going, but when he was going... I'm telling you, it, it it was a sight to watch. One of the most dominating players of all time physically. Uh, he can rush that puck. He's got a rocket. You know, I used to sit in front of Lana in front of the net, and he'd whiff it by my head, and he'd start laughing. So it, it, this guy was a beast in every sense of the word, and they're definitely missing him. They're definitely him. Good. Is he listening to the show? Stop fishing. Come back. <laughs> we miss you. Come back. I'll tell you a story. So my brother lives in northern Minnesota, and rumor has it, like they live on the same lake or something. They live within 10, 10 miles, and nobody has an idea where Buff is. I think there's two guys that know. I think one's for Stieg and one is Lad. But my brother lives within 20 minutes, and he has no idea where Buff is. <laughs> I, I got news for you guys. If I had Buff's money, you wouldn't, fi you wouldn't find me either. <laughs> Just on Yellowstone okay. in Wyoming somewhere. Well, well, welcome to the Sammy and Bourne show. Real That's kippers, funny. real fishing, too. Thanks for doing this, Stewie. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Go, let's go. Thanks, Anthony Stewart. At Stu Monroe. So, uh... Stu yeah, Monroe. I, Stu Monroe. Sorry about that. What? Uh, I forgot to ask him uh, how he wants his coffee. Now that you're you're gonna see him in a few hours, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's uh, that's my role. I accept my place in the pecking order. I it's like think, on this show. I think Dustin Bufflin has the biggest hit in the history of the NHL. The one that he put on Mark Stone in yeah. Winnipeg. Uh, like, there's been bigger ones in the middle of the ice and like bigger moments or whatever. But just in terms of the hardest contact, I think he, full speed. Stone got up too, didn't he? Somehow. Like, I don't know how it he... It reminded me of a car accident. You just, where this, just like a truck runs a red, runs a red and... And then, and then the guys in the ice, I, they all are like, oh, I guess we got to go and get Bufflin. And they're just like, kind of like, uh, I guess we'll do this now. This is the same, 
I want maybe it wasn't that year, but in the playoffs when it was they were playing Nashville and Buff was pulling two guys yeah. out of the net and holding them like stray cats by their nape. Yeah. Just like they were children. Unbelievable. Just a just a one beast. of my favorite players the last, I don't know, whatever, fifteen years. Awesome, yeah. awesome player. Just so unique. And he just stopped. He just stopped, you know? He just he went away. I got a lot of respect for that. Me too. I I get it. When you're like, done, you're done. Yep. And he also has one of the funniest wet pictures in the summer of him. I forget whose wedding he was at, but he was at somebody's wedding. And he is like not trim. three times the size of everybody else. And then he comes back and he's still the best player. Like, yeah. it's just he's one of those guys, you know? Yeah. He was tipping the Toledo, I think, 280, 300 pounds. I'm sure he hit three. I'm sure he did. I don't know about well, like, in season, but there are some pictures where you're like, got to be three. Can you imagine getting hit by that? No. And the way he skated? No, thank you. And he had that bit of aggression, too. Terrifying. Do you play with anyone that was ever, like, a out of shape physically? I mean, like, uh, not, not, not like a big hitter, but someone you played with, you're like, e- this guy's hacking darts in the dressing room and still goes out there and plays. Like, I, I don't know why Kessel comes to mind because you don't think of his no, physique. No, as, you're, you're thinking of a hot dog. That's why, I think. Yeah, I um, like, just crashed when it broke. No, not really. Yeah. I mean, I, Everyone's always a, a guy, now. always a guy here and there that maybe had a little spare tire, but nothing yeah. of significance. But Bufflin, he could put on 15, 20 pounds and you wouldn't really notice. Yeah. That's how mammoth he was. God, I was just impossible even, to put even, weight on for even a guy like to me as a player. Play against Lindros in his first couple of years in the National Hockey League and. Yeah. I don't know, at the time he was 18, 19, he was probably 235. He was ripped. That's monstrous. Honestly, uh, not fun to play against people like that. That's just like a physical. And didn't Bufflin come in as a forward? Wasn't he playing forward uh, he at the start? Forward. At the yeah, start yeah. In Chicago, he yeah. was up. Yeah, but, yeah. I just forget yeah. how the what the order was, yeah. where he started and where he finished. Yeah, in, in Chicago, I think... Uh, yeah, he won his cup as a forward. The year, the year they won the cup, he was a forward. Yeah, and he had uh, in twenty-two games, he had eleven goals. So he was contributing. What a player! What a player! Honestly. All right, even uh, let's around the league. Let's. Uh, what do you guys think of Bob Murray resigning? Uh, we, I, I said yesterday that I expected something to happen by the end of the week, but I've gone resigned. Everybody resigns. Nobody gets fired. Yeah. But everybody just. Resigns. I've got a couple thoughts. First is uh, the hotline came up in Gary Bettman's, the NHL statement about um, about Bob Murray's situation and that that maybe is where the investigation into Bob Murray originated, that someone called this NHL hotline. Um, I got to be honest, it felt like the NHL trying to score a point for, you know, trying to help but maybe it did make a difference and i'm being a cynic there whatever the the case it's great that they got to the bottom of whatever but i thought the nhl really wanted to make it known you know how you find out about this sort of thing is not really relevant right it's not important but the nhl wanted it to be at the core of the importance that justin that's a common theme right now is nobody really gets to the bottom of it it's never about any type of ownership from any individual, it's all about we are going to improve the process. Mm-hmm. We had some for, talk, for everybody. Yeah, we had some talk with Allison Forsyth from Safe Sport, who explained um, 
how she doesn't appreciate through all this with the Chicago Blackhawks scandal, a lot of the, and not to put words in her mouth, but this is where the conversation was, was going, about vague comments about improving the system and improving the culture without getting into the specifics. Um, you know, there's a lot of that going on, right? A lot of people saying we need to do better. And it's like, okay, well, what does that mean necessarily? You know, or do the repercussions for people? So my, my thoughts to, to get away from the hotline thing on, on Bob Murray are just one, you know, he's, he's checking into, uh, alcohol abuse program. Um, and if is, this is something that the guy has been dealing with and suffering and has been going through, then my heart goes out to him and everyone tied to him and, and their situation, you hope that it's not a thing like, ah, you get in trouble. So someone, you know, the P, the PR spin it for you and say, yeah, he's going to going to you know, rehab or whatever, which does happen in our culture. Let's not pretend it doesn't. But I also know like alcoholics who are still really nice people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, I mean, so you're saying the, I, some I of the accusations I, are not necessarily just, yes. you, you just don't know where it kind of falls in place at the end of the day. Blame for poor treatment of people. Yeah, where is that? So, um, yeah, and even that hotline, I think, you know, and, and you're right. It, it it does paint a pretty good picture. But I don't know. I mean, is are, could get busy, that hotline. I think right are, is, now it probably are, is. Are, are they equipped? I mean, uh, are people going to start calling it and you're going to start, you know, hearing we're experiencing a higher than normal... <laughs> call volume oh, and no i'm serious i'm, no, I'm, I'm not know, joking it, around but, it, yeah. but like you know are, are, are there people out there that uh, my era you just kind of accepted it but are there other people going hold on for a second uh i got treated the same way a few years ago i mean can i can i call it now and get my retribution because i just accepted it uh back then but now people get to feel better about themselves i mean are are they equipped with that hotline? I'm I'm, I'm being yeah, serious yeah, with yeah. this. It's, no, I, I think they are. I think that a lot of people have been, you know, I I think a lot of people in hockey and who had a life within hockey have exchanged some text messages over the past, I don't know, year, whatever it's been, and the past short little bit, and just saying, going through a list of people like, hey, what does this mean for this guy that we played with or this coach that we played with, or you know. The language that we used in 2005, which, you know, I wrote an article in 2009 USA Today called It's Time to End the Use of Gay Slurs in Hockey because I was honest in that article. When I played hockey, I did, you know, and I, I learned and improved and tried to do my part to speak up against it and tried to learn. But like, I, I sure did when I played. And I'm not proud of that, but that's the reality of everyone I played with. If you were on the ice, you know, I was a soft player. That, so that was, I, I called that a lot. That was the, whatever reason, that was the uh, connection. So, you know, there's a lot of people going, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for that person? What's going to become of all these we, people? We all want accountability. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And that's, that's it. the worst. It's a must. The worst offenders, it's, um, you hope it comes around for some, for certain people. I know there's some people with their fingers crossed out there. Anyway. Yeah. That's what I was just going to say is that there's a lot of people within the game. And I mean, within the world, probably that just think back on a lot of stuff that happened where it was a different sort of microscope and you know that might have been acceptable at the time or you think that it was acceptable at the time and maybe it just wasn't you know yeah. maybe the t the time was wrong maybe the mm -hmm. uh, when we thought things were good at a certain time it was just the time was not the right thing so you know there's probably a lot of people that aren't too comfortable in this moment with what's going on at the moment which is probably pretty good and we did have a, a bit of a discussion i think yesterday or, or two days ago about you know there there is a gray area in our game for 
I, verbal, I don't want to use the word abuse because some may think it's abuse and others could Absolutely. say it's just motivation. Well, like it's, it is really kind of, this one's a dicey one. It is. In our game. Because you look on the bench every single night in an NHL game and these coaches are screaming at their players, they're screaming at the officials, they're screaming at everyone. I mean, you watch a, a NBA basketball game, Nick Nurse doesn't stop screaming at the official the entire time. Like, mm -hmm. sports is a sort of a thing where you scream at people, and that, like, that's part of it, right? But then it's like, how do you figure out this, the, the gray sort of the zone where that's not acceptable? Is it something that's way above my pay grade? Well, and, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of it happens retroactively. In hindsight, when you say, well, you know, now that I think about it, you know, it's yeah, it's a maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I should have done this. So yeah, it's a it's a tough one for the league right now, and I'm sure that I honestly that hotline's ringing hard. Oh yeah, could, could be no busy. Way. I was, no I was joking around. No, I, mean, I know it's like, true. When you're talking about 32 teams into this one hotline, yeah, going back now 20 I, years or like, whatever. The you, you can go back as far as you want. There's got to be somebody out there going. I put up with that for so long. Yeah, I've been damaged by that now that I think about it. Maybe I'm going to make a call, oh, yeah. even if I have to go back 10, 12, 14 years ago. Maybe. I do think that's why the NHL is doing stuff. Like, they don't want to pay for John Doe number two, and that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's absolutely, you know, preposterous that they won't. Well, they don't want to do it because they don't they, want to set a precedent. And they, don't, and they also don't want to admit guilt. Right. Right? Which is just such lawyer bull crap that right. they're just they don't want to admit guilt so that's why they're not doing it which is just not right but they're just like we're not we're not guilty so they're not doing that but continue I just no no, to say no that. that that's it. it is that you know the a lot of what the nhl's behavior shows us right now is that they don't want to have to square up with everyone in the past they don't want to have to make things right necessarily going back a long time mm -hmm. so they're protecting themselves well and we saw one settlement and we haven't seen another one yet. And we assume that uh, between Chicago and, and Kyle, that uh, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. But something tells me the Pittsburgh number was a lot smaller than the one that may face the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. So we just, we're, we just wait and see. We just wait and see. Okay. What do we have? 11 games on tap tonight. So right. what do you and Stewie got to look forward to tonight? JB. Alberta. All sorts of Albertan hockey. Um, I got my eyes on on the Flames and the Oilers. My uh, my focus tonight is Shillington. He is leading the Flames D. Do you know this? Leading the Flames D in basically all analytical categories. First in all the shots and courses and possessions really? and yada yada. Yeah. Played with Tanev for a year there for a long Tanev's time. Tanev's really good. He's like Muzzin. He's like a, a star maker, right? Yeah. It's like all of a sudden this D-man has found his game playing alongside And Quinn Hughes him. has never been the same. Without him, right? Like that's it, a really good point. It, it, it's it's an interesting one, and I I love the Flames. I I don't know what it is about them. I've watched a lot of their games this year. I've caught a lot of their games. I prefer them to the Oilers. I know that you know the Oilers have that top end talent, but I love the back end more for the for the Flames. I love the goaltending for the Flames. I I think the Flames are the real deal, and the, the Leafs have a tough task tomorrow night. It Ooh. took it it took a year, but uh, the Tanov and the Markstrom signing. That's what they envisioned. Keeping the puck out yep. of their net. Well, this is very much what Daryl Sutter wanted. You get Coleman. All of a sudden, they're you know they they're pitching shutouts. And Markstrom have three shutouts or four shutouts already this year. 
But what wait, I can't get past is last season it felt like there was rot at their core, right? Like they just couldn't find it in a division that was, seemed gettable. And for whatever reason, those star guys, the Goodrow and then Monaghan, they, they weren't able to find it. And is there, are they that different than last year? I, it's too it's t- too early. Yeah. For me, it's too early. And I, I've said for the last couple of years, uh, Johnny Hockey needed a change of scenery. Still feel that way? If if the lineup's built a little bit better for him with with some depth and and Coleman's been able to do that a little bit. I, I he's a fantastic hockey player. No one will ever question his talent. I do believe that in the playoffs though, the room shrinks on him. Yeah. Well, he here's a quote from him. Um he, he's trying to play Daryl Sutter hockey. He says, I'm obviously not going to kill anyone or hit anyone too hard. Like Daryl says, keeping your stick on the ice at the right time when you're going in on the forecheck and things like that. Back checking and working hard and just trying to keep your team, uh, help your team win games. And I think that's something I can do for this team. So we, we got good row back checking now. Like he's going to try to play this game to fit into the flames. I was the same way that I thought he needed to go somewhere else, but if he's willing to fall in line for Sutter and back check and still get some points, they got a player here. When you said that nothing's changed, I think what's changed is that it's a normal season. First Mm -hmm. of all, you go into a full training camp with Daryl Sutter and having him with all his players and sort of being able to kind of, you know, put his, his touches, (laughs) I guess he'll put his, uh, what he does on that team, put his stamp on that team. And then you go into the season, you get a couple wins early, your goalie's playing great, and it just kind of snowballs, and you remember that you're a good team in the league. Well, like, they've been good. They've been good in years past with this core. But, you know, if they've got a if they got a record like the Ottawa Senators, Johnny Hockey's feeling worse than Mitch Marner having one assist in seven games. Yeah. But they're winning, and he's... I don't think he's on pace for much more than what 70 points and maybe 30 goals, 27, yeah, 28 game, a little bit more right now. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds about right. It's, yeah, but no, it's, it's not, it's not a guy that's thinking about his numbers. I mean, he is buying in right now. If he, mm-hmm. if he ends up scoring 25 or 30 goals and they're, they're considered a top team in the Western conference, Daryl's ecstatic. Yeah. I'm not sure Johnny feels great about his season, but at this point... I tell you what, he'll do more for his value in the free market if he shows he can play another kind of way than just a guy who tries to float about and get points. And then just get hot in the playoffs. Just have one little run, eh? One little run. A couple of bounces. Get out of the first or second round, get into a conference final, right? and then he'll, he'll set himself up. So let me ask you, you want to talk about the Ottawa Senators or the Colorado Avalanche? Which interests you more? Because the Ottawa Senators are not having a great run. Well, how many games now with uh, how many how many players with uh, COVID? Eight. Yeah. Do we do we know for sure if the game's going on tonight? Last I heard, it was. I don't know if Sam's seen anything rolling. I haven't seen anything. But yeah. I mean, how how you know how how can you make the Sharks play and then not make the Ottawa Senators play? They they had just as many guys, right? Mm-hmm. You got to find a way. And the Sens are, unfortunately, like a lot of people thought they turned the corner last year in the Canadian division. So they did Pierre the, Dorian. They're, you're not wrong. That was a bad mistake, though. What a dumb thing to say. Just uh, the, rebuild the rebuild is, is over. over. They are 3-7, oh, 3-8-1 right now, minus 13 goal differential. They're out of playoffs. They're, they're not going to make the playoffs. There's 12 games in there, 70 left. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and 
Dorian should just go back and say, I was just talking about the forwards. Could have been talking about the remodel of his basement. Yeah, no. The rebuild I'm, I'm, is over. I'm just, yeah, I, I didn't mean the defense pairings. Yeah. Because there's, there's some work to do. T- Thomas Shabbat cannot carry that blue line. He can't. Like, I feel for a guy like Shabbat. And he is good. Him. He is really good. good. But he can't make up for that. No, he's logging way too many minutes. Leading the NHL yet again. Zaitsev was okay for them for the uh, for quite a long stretch, and now recently his his game's fallen completely off, yeah. as, as Leaf fans can remember, yeah, quite quite vividly. The other team I mentioned there, the Colorado Avalanche, um, four, five, and one. I think almost everyone had them as, if not President's Trophy favorites and Cup favorites, among the top three teams in the league. They are falling behind quick. You know, they're almost 10 points behind the Minnesota Wild for first in the division. The Blues are up there. Jets off to a good start. Like They just got to hang in there. Like Look yeah. at look at uh, McKinnon's season so far. COVID and I don't know what he's... Lower uh, body. Uh, knee, three weeks, they said. Yeah. And that was the second time he tested positive. Is that right? I didn't know that. Yeah, I think so. so I, it can't go... It can't get any worse. It's actually fascinating looking at the teams around the, the league because Colorado and now Vegas is still, they're scuffling, right? They're, they've got it up above 500, but the, you know, some of the best teams, you know, we talked about this a bit before. Who's good in the league, Kipper? Who do you look at and you're like, okay, that's the team or those are the teams? The Carol- only one, the only, Carolina is Carol- the only yeah. one, and we, we saw them against the Leafs, and Sheldon said it all in his post game. That's, that's a team. That's what we need to aspire to get to. 10-1-0. So, Plus 20 goal differential. Outside of that, St. Louis. Yeah, you like the Blues? I like the Blues. That's just, that. those are Stanley Cup champions on that team. Curious to see how Tampa Bay finds their way back. You know, they're 6-3-3, they're, they're six, six, three and three, but missing that third line, we thought they looked a step behind where they had in the past. So this just has everything, always has to come back to the Leafs. Well, that's the show. And... That's why I'm not as worried as I think I would be with the Toronto Maple Leafs here if the rest of the league was lighted up. Like, I, I don't think the Leafs have played very well at all to start, the start of the, to start the season. And I don't think either of you guys think they have hit their total stride here. But just be in the mix with these other teams. I think that's what you kind of have to be. You have to look are, uh, be in, in the mix. The mix team. Like eight teams you could see winning the Stanley Cup and the Leafs are in that. Be one of those. Yeah. Just be one of those. In the playoffs, you maybe win a round. That galvanizes the group. You get excited, and then here you go. Who you knows? Do, you do get the vibe that if they did win, if they did get some good vibes going, something could move in the right direction in playoffs. It's going to be so hard for them to win a first-round series. Like, the, <laughs> them winning the first-round series is like winning a Stanley Cup. Like, the way, the amount of pressure they feel in a first round is 10 times more than any other franchise in the league. The other thing you got to kind of realize, too, is there, there there will be another trade deadline market. We'll still see How many first 25, left? 25, 30 guys moved. I think Felino comes there'll back. Be, there'll be a, there's, there's teams that are going to be really aggressive. I, the Leafs were really aggressive last year. I, I don't know how much wiggle room that Kyle Dubas has to make the necessary changes again for this team. The, and that, they do have a first-rounder this year. 2022, that, that, they have it. Do they? Yeah. They do. I, I don't think you, you can spend it. <laughs> they, I, I, yeah. I, 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 I think it would 
It all depends on what you can get, I he's, guess. He, you know, but my it, opinion it, is he's got to go out guns a blazing. It's way if not now, then when so burn it trade, all down. If he trade right this now. year's first, the 2022 draft for the Toronto Maple Leafs will include a second rounder and a seventh rounder. Oh, not a big draft there, fellas. And actually, the you know the cupboard being so bare. Yeah, it's tough. There. Riley Smith for a first and a prospect. Riley Smith doesn't do it for no, me. I agree. If you're if you're trading that first when you have one other pick in the draft, I think you got to do a little better than it's that. It's just like how much better is Riley Smith going to be for you than Kasha or Bunting? How much better? Much? Yes. Uh, yeah. Much? Yes. Yeah, yeah. First round difference much? I good question. Yeah. Yeah, good question. Maybe I, I not. I like Riley Smith in, in in decline. You're 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 renting. That's yeah. what you're doing. You're renting. Yeah, I guess. Trade deadlines, yeah. but trying to win now. So, but we've got, we went through that list the other day of the top, like, grindy, tough playoff guys. Riley Smith? No. Not what the Leafs are missing. Good point, Boyne. Thanks, buddy. That's why they pay you the big bucks. <laughs> yeah. Another question to be answered on another show. Let's do it. All right. Thanks, everybody. By chance, if you didn't listen live, you can always download our show on any podcast platform rate so and review rate, rate and, review. and review us i want to hear everything you have to say about sammy and jb i'm nick kiprios thanks for listening to real kipper and born